0: Welcome back to Uplifting Murders and Wholesome Crimes! I'm Natalie. I'm Sarah. And we're two annoying sisters, and today we're going to be covering part two of Dennis Rader, mm-hmm. otherwise known as BTK. We're not calling him that because we know, you know, he likes it, so we're not doing that. Um, a few things regarding episode one. Sorry, our audio quality is literally horrific. Yeah, everyone um, hates it. Everyone hates us. hates us. We've already gotten one stars, <laughs> either because of the audio quality or because we're the worst. Um, it could be both. I think both are very viable like, options. I feel like it's more of a reflection on the person. <laughs> than it is on us. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so. But that's just me. Yeah, so lessons <coughs> learned. Maybe let's not record on the couch with me sitting really far away from the mic I'm being the storyteller. Yeah, so now we're sitting at a table like adults and we are sitting closer to the mic, so hopefully you guys will not hate us as much. I mean as if you do, it's it, we get it, but maybe not. Also. Okay. Well, so do them like fucking rude. Yeah, we little rude. <laughs> Sarah, don't move your chair, it's gonna sound so weird on the Gosh! So no one cares. No one cares. They just want the <laughs> Not story this. Not about you. This is why we have one star. Okay. <laughs> okay. So regarding some things that happened um from the first episode yeah, that a little I wanted ketchup, to catch up, little recap. Yeah. Sitch. Well, so where we left off was that Dennis was dormant. He went dormant. Right. But there were some things that I wanted to clarify that you had asked in the previous oh. part one. Yeah. So the size of Wichita in 1974 was around 300,000. So it was a. a a city, but it wasn't, you know, a metropolis. It wasn't like... Yeah. So, Shirley Vianne's kids were Bud, Stephen, and Stephanie. So, there was one girl. Uh-huh. Okay. And regarding the Oteros, so I actually re-watched his full confession because I wanted a little more info on that. And with the dog, apparently the dog was still inside the house when he first confronted him. So, I think the little boy opened the door and he busts in and he says, Rader says in his confession... Quote, the dog was a real problem, so I asked Mr. Otero if he could get the dog out, so we had one of the kids put it outside.
1: So that's the
0: situation with the dogs. He also said, or the dog, he also said he did not realize Mr. Otero was home. So he wasn't expecting him to be home. Mr. Otero. Yes, which makes sense because he does he does focus on women, let's be real. Like right. know, he kind of has a not super well, cause distinctive Well, cuz he was obsessed with the wife and daughters, so that makes Yeah. Sense. Well, cuz he doesn't have a specific victimology, but it is women, really. Like that's who he's going he after, women. Yeah, he women. He women. Yeah. So, getting back into where we left off. So, we left off with Dennis having his daughter Carrie in 1978, 6 months after he killed Nancy Fox. So, he literally has a child and I, so that means that his wife was pregnant when he committed that murder, which mm. is insane to me. Then in 1979, a year later, he graduates, or I don't know exactly how much, but, you know, in 1979, he graduated from Wichita State University where he studied criminal justice, which is... Just... Wait, he was in school, too? Such a multitasker, this yes. guy. Yes, you know, I know, and it's He's in school, he's a family man, he's making babies, he's, he's killing people. Killing people. He's very, I guess you could say, uh, prolific or productive. In a gross, horrific way. Um, I would just say like a very like complex, <laughs> yeah, like a very like complex, like, to very, say the varied, varied, varied behaviors. A lot of, you know. Yes. So, and also during this time, he has a job at the ADT security, which systems. is yeah. terrifying. You so he really had that. that job from nineteen seventy four. Shouldn't have had. Shouldn't no. have not have been allowed to have no. that. So he had that job from nineteen seventy four to nineteen eighty eight. Until okay, so I, I was born. Yeah, this isn't about you, Sarah. <laughs> Till my first. Okay. We just reveal how old we are. Embarrassing. Oh, embarrassing. No, just me. Yeah, well, you know. Okay. <laughs> so, as we've as we discussed, he's blended into the community without killing for eight years. Uh, there's a lot- Wait, so eight- So he- The eight-year gap, or like dormant, dormant Dennis, is <laughs> like a volcano. He's dormant. Um- that's while he's in school and... Has his baby. Yeah. Has his baby. Yeah. Which makes sense. He's really busy. So he's, like, too busy to, he's like, too busy be to, murdering and Yeah, stuff. he's too he's busy like to murder. He would like to, but he does, like, too much. Yeah, oh, days. he definitely probably will. And that's something we talk about. It's, like, he never truly went dormant. He says, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. It's more that he just didn't have time. Don't ruin it. Yeah, sorry, I'm ruining it. Okay. So <laughs> uh, there are a lot of discussions among criminologists as to why. And Scott Braun, Ph.D., uh says that he corresponded with Raider when he was writing his book, Why We Love Serial Killers, The Curious Appeal of the World's Most Savage Murders. He Jeez. says, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so intense. It's so true though. Like we're all such fucking creepy weirdos. Excuse my language, but No, but it's like for me, also, it's like it's interesting. The psychology of but it's really fascinating because it's, it's not a The psychology is fascinating, but also are. I am a woman. And the crimes perpetrated a on woman us. And most like of the time. many womans. It's always- a, it's, Most of the victims are women. Yeah, it's always yeah. us. So, so it's like, for me, I view it as like useful information, like good to know. Oh, I actually <laughs> have learned so many things. That's yes, exactly. Yeah, it's pathetic how many things I learned and how it's stupid very, I realized it's, I was when I was younger. It's very sad and yeah. dark, but- yeah. Anywho, so he says, <laughs> so uh, Scott Bond says his pattern is very atypical. Most serial killers don't have these lengthy, extensive periods between killings. Um, he told this to Oxygen. So most of them really, really escalate and oftentimes it's what leads to their undoing. But that's not what happens here, which is really what's so kind of or like, um, intriguing, I guess. his face, or you're just like an idiot and you're like Oh yeah, with the you plumber. Was, yeah Uh Dennis Nelson. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, Dennis Nelson with the plumber. So this is kind of in a similar vein, you'll see it's like you could have kept going. Oh yeah, no, you'll see. It's in the same vein. So So Bond was explaining how most killers are compelled to kill more and more frequently until they're apprehended. And escalation is truly one of the hallmarks of serial killers. Mm -hmm. Um, But Bond described Raider as a power control killer who got more pleasure out of stalking a victim, binding them up, and torturing them than he did from the actual kill itself. So it wasn't about the death. It was about the process. So basically, he is a process killer and not a product killer. He likes the process. It's not the product. It's not the dead body. It's not the product oh, of killing. Oh, that's an interesting way of... Yeah, they say pro- process versus product. So he's saying it was all about the process of killing and it was almost like foreplay for sex, where it would lead up to the ultimate moment where he would kill them, but that's not really what he lived for. He, what he lived for was the process, the fear... That, you know, the whole thing of, of stalking them. Right. It's, so it wasn't yeah. the actual killing them that he yeah. liked. It was um, the process, was the all chase up to Yes. That. It was the process all the way up until they're dead. So and then once they're dead. Like a product, that, like someone, like a necrophilia. Yeah. Someone who wants them like, to be. Or, like, like, who's, or Dennis. Or not Dennis. Uh, N- Nelson. Nilsen. I think, I don't know what he'd be considered because he also talked about how he didn't like disposing of their bodies, but he That's wanted true. them dead so that he could have complete control. Anyways, we're, we're getting yeah. off track, but he's another interesting case I might want to cover. So, as we discussed in episode one, Doctor Ramslin, the one who wrote a book and who had interviewed him a bunch, believes that the demands he had as a father, husband, employee—you know—didn't afford him the time he needed for his "quote unquote" trolling and research on his victims. That's why he was. Oh, uh, so he couldn't get the enjoyment out of it that mm. he would like. So, because he needs that to to yes. have fun. So that's interesting. Yeah, because some he people... wants to troll. That's part of the whole process for him. That's he's a true process killer. He wants. It's a step-by-step thing. Like, he said he has these weird projects. Like, so she says he had to do this carefully, and it had to be when he had pockets of opportunity that allowed him to pretend he was doing something else, like library research for a course he was taking, or being out of town, or going overnight on a Boy Scouts camping trip, Dr. Ranslund said. He always had to have a cover story because he was a family man. Like, he had to have an excuse for why he was gone. So Ramslin tells Oxygen that Dennis was never truly dormant, as I mentioned earlier. He was always looking, and apparently, she said, he had 55, quote-unquote, projects he had tracked over the years, but I guess he didn't, didn't have, have time the time to follow to up. To execute. Yeah. So he truly is like, I have a process to how I do this. I'm not going to do it if I can't do all the things. <laughs> do you know what is it is reminds a- me of in, like, a very sick way? Like, when I go on Pet Finder, and, like, I just, like, look at the photos, and I, like, save them all in tabs. But oh I don't God. actually You're go. So weird. I don't actually like go and adopt them. Do you know what I mean? That's not at all like it. You're not trying to murder anyone. No, but I... but I, it's the the stalking. It's, it's this. It's like it for him, it would be like he's like collected like yeah, fifty five dog tabs, and then and hasn't like gone in. Yeah, no, he. So he's so that's he's not truly dormant. He just doesn't have the time to right. to do his whole like little oh spiel, poor Dennis like, shtick. Yeah. He's, uh, he must be oh, he feels so It must be so hard for him that he can't do his you know. fun, like his little murder thing that he likes to do. <laughs> Anyways, fun little murder thing. So these, the Ramslin says, they were detailed lists with names of the projects, dates, locations, circumstances, things that he would uh, have had things that would have happened to people had he had the full amount of time that he needed and they were home. So he might've even like trolled and tried to go to their house, but they weren't there. Like he basically just didn't succeed, but he was still like looking for people. Mm -hmm. She said, it's not like he was inactive during those periods of time. It's that he didn't have all the right circumstances to go forward with something. So I think that's why people keep asking, you know, how was he dormant for so long? You know, I don't think it was truly a choice. I think he just, he had his way of doing things and he couldn't execute it. Yeah. He was way, he was, he was trying to keep up the facade of being the family man, yeah. and in order to do that, he had to... He had to have a certain process, yeah. he had. Well, he had to forego certain things. Um, yeah, but I you know he had his auto eroticism and weird photos he took of himself to sustain him, I guess, for that time, so... <laughs> maybe some leftover index cards. Right, yeah. leftover index cards. So we may never fully understand why he didn't kill. I mean, we have a, kind of a good idea, but... So now the year is 1985, and he does... And there's not, I don't even know, like, what made him switch and actually do it, but what's weird about this one, so this is Maureen Hedge. Her name is Maureen Hedge, and she was a next-door neighbor of Dennis who lived down the street. They knew each other, so this is kind of different than what he had done before. He normally well, did Than his normal. People. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were not close, but it was still extremely risky of him since she was literally right in his immediate area. She, she knew him. He was desperate. He was Desperita. Yeah, he was Desperita. We say Desperita because my dog's named Rita and she's always desperate just step For attention. For attention. Yeah. attention. yeah, she's Desperita. But so is Dennis, apparently. Um, so Maureen was a 53-year-old widow, a mother of four and a grandmother. Um, Radar told Ramslin that he's... Wait, how old was she? 53. Interesting. Yeah, so like he like I said, he didn't have that specific I mean it's victim just older profile. than his his other like target. You know, like there were people there were obviously there were other people that he killed that weren't like his main yes, victim that he was like focused on, but like the people that were his main, the women that were his main victims were generally like young yeah, hol- adults. Like yeah. 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 Any or adult, like or child. Children. Gross. Yeah. But no, Gross. she's a she's a 53 old, you know, grandma uh raider told ramsland that he saw her one day and suddenly she became his next project like that was it He's, um yeah. he couldn't get the fantasy out of his head uh and he knew the layout of her house because it matched his because they're you know they probably have one of those you know cookie cutter style neighborhoods i'm guessing um and he knew how he could get in without getting caught so i think it was a convenience thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: a lot of it um so yeah it, it was he was Desperita and it was convenient and he had everything and he needed so, long. so he didn't have the time he didn't have the usual time that it would take for to learn scrolling at his project right for him yeah. to like get all his materials and all so gross so on april 27th 1985 he parked his car at a bowling alley changed his clothes went um and went in to make it seem like he was bowling so he always kind of i guess came up with some weird little cover story for what he was doing an alibi, yeah, yeah. Um, then called a taxi with his quote-unquote hit kit you know his little bag that he carried with all his like gross murder tools mm-hmm. um so he put his hit kit in a bowling bag and he pretended he was drunk in the cab and asked him to let him out by a park near maureen's house and he walked to her house from there which is just okay so in his wow, court testimony like so thought out yeah oh yeah he's premeditated so, to the max. like but every aspect every of, aspect of it like and and not just planning ahead but also making it look Normal, like yeah. typical like yeah. making him like blend
1: into the surrounding area i think
0: really that's why he got away with it for so long because they just couldn't figure out his they couldn't figure him out mm-hmm. so um in his court testimony after his arrest he tells the judge well quote well as before i was going to have uh sexual fantasies so i brought my hit kit um and lo and behold her car was there so he calls it a hit kit yeah that's what he calls it ew let's not call it that Okay, it's called his boot poop, like his <laughs> his backpack. We, we, we like I we intentionally mispronounce words because we, we think, think it's we're funny and it's fun. It is. It is funny. It is funny and, it it is is funny. and it's okay. fun to say. It and is. I like when other people give me a weird look and they're like, "What the fuck is she yeah, talking is about?" And like, "What are you fucking talking about?" Like, so he brought his. You, well, you this the is idiot? okay, but this is a quote, so okay. I can't do sorry, that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So he says, "So I brought." So I brought my hit kit, um, and lo and behold, her car was there. I thought, geez, she's not supposed to be home. The way he says, like, geez, it's just so weird that he's being so nonchalant about it. Oh, geez. Wow, it's like Morty. Okay. So I very carefully snuck into the house, kind of like a cat burglar. And after checking the house, she wasn't there. So about that time, the doors rattled. So I went back to one of the bedrooms and hid back there in one of the bedrooms. She came in with a male visitor. They were there for maybe an hour or so. He left and I waited until the wee hours of the morning, like so creepy, my worst nightmare. Just Wait, summoned. where is he He's like in a closet. He's in a closet. Or in her back room like that she's not in. He's in her house and she doesn't know. She's like with a dude and doesn't Whoa. know he's in there for hours, hours, hours. I'm wondering if he like hid in one place and like didn't move Yeah, he stayed there. Like, yeah, he hid. No, I know. Obviously, I'm just like, how many hours was it? It was hours. So he's like, I then proceeded to sneak into her bedroom and flipped the lights on real quick. Like, I think the bathroom lights, I didn't want to... F- flip her lights on she screamed and i jumped on the bed and strangled her manually the way he just says that so like this is this is the story so once again he was not wearing a mask of any sort um even though they were neighbors and even he, though he always wore a mask no yeah, no i know never i mean wore a mask. i mean in life like the facade oh thing. yes oh, facade. Just dark. so I know, um yeah so he it's just weird how sometimes he uses the mask as his excuse for killing them but clearly like no. he never wore a mask even though he had his gross big, 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 of, of tools. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So, she, of course, sadly, she died quickly of strangulation. And once... This is also different from his previous friends. Mm-hmm. Once she was dead, he drove her body to the Lutheran church that he was part of, which is just so... Another awful. risk. Very yeah, so risky. he drove her to her but body. But also, normal... T- For him to be seen there. Yes. This is, he's like president of like the council or something. So he drove her body to the Lutheran church he attended and tied her up, taking pictures of her in different forms of bondage. After that, he found a ditch and hid her there. And it took eight days for her to be found. In a ditch like by the church? No, he kind of just drove off like a few blocks and put her in. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So uh, So this is like a first dumping. Yes, exactly. Uh, Not what he's, you know, his normal MO. Normally he likes being in the home and like,
1: Doing and everything them there and in wanting the them to, yeah, and wanting
0: them to know that it was him, right? Right. You know? So this, but is, now this is a different mo, which is why once because again because so it's hard more to track. of a risk. Yeah. So
1: it's like, yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. he says, since I was in the sexual fantasy, I went ahead and stripped her, and probably went ahead, and I'm not sure if I tied her up at that point in time, but anyway, she was nude. I put her on a blanket and went through a purse, some personal items in the house, figured out how I was going to get her out of there, eventually moved her to the trunk of the car, uh, took the car over to Christ Lutheran Church. This is the older church, and I uh, took some pictures of her. The judge asked what type of camera he set, and he says, uh Polaroid. And when asked if he kept them, he said, yes, the police probably have them. He's so weird. He even at one point kind of smacks his lips when he's trying to remember something. and goes like, and it's just so weird. He's like retelling like, a, a, like when he went on a trip with his family to Hawaii <laughs> or something. It's so weird. Well, just like the non emotion of yes, it. Yes. Yeah. Complete it's like lack very, of like. Absolutely no emotion there whatsoever. Yeah. Um, like he's reading off a grocery list. Right. It's so weird. So, this was, you know, this was the first time Dennis made an effort to have his crimes not discovered. It was not the usual MO of quote unquote BTK. Um, you know, in the home, phone lines cut, strangulation, leaving the body at home. And it occurred eight years later after, you know, his last known murders. So it wasn't entirely surprising that the Wichita police didn't connect it to him initially. It was just so different than what he was doing before. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, what's extra creepy about this one is apparently Carrie, his daughter, was afraid when she heard about the murder because it was so close to home. And according to Ramsland, he, quote, reassured her that she was perfectly safe and he would protect her when raider is being a good father he's being a good father genuinely really wants to protect her he really wants her to believe he can protect her and he feels that is completely consistent with the fact that he is also the serial killer who committed the murder it reminds me so much of prodigal son that show on fox which is about like a serial killer's mm-hmm. relationship with his children um and he's yeah, like, he's in, able in, in, to just he's in, in an institution and in, like He's able to like compartmentalize, completely yeah. separate them. Like that, those two things, even though they to me are like you, you, those things don't work together. Like, he doesn't see any issue with it. Like he's fine with that. He even actually he can't can't even fully understand himself. He apparently Raiders said in a post arrest interview, "How can a quote How can a guy like me, church member, raised a family, go out and do those sort of things? It's just the only thing I can figure out is that I've compartmentalized somewhere in my body. I can live a normal life and quickly switch." from one gear to the next. I can become emotionally evolved. I can be cold at it. I guess that's why I survived all those thirty years or thirty one years. It's almost like he's living a double life and separating himself from that side of himself, you know? Like he's it's like a a killer alter ego and he has no problem living with the moral inconsistency of that. That's what Ramson saying. Like he had no problem with that moral inconsistency, which is so insane. That's why it was so hard for the police to find him because there wasn't a connection between these murders. He just lived this normal life. Yeah. It, yeah. One year later, this murder was more like Raider's usual MOs. And it was of 28-year-old Vicki Um, She was a pianist and a young mother of two. Which is He loves so-so. killing mothers. Yeah. Like, he loves... Which is interesting because he claims that, you know, he didn't... Lo- like, he had issues with his mom, but he claims there was never any severe abuse. Like, to this day, claims, like, nothing happened. So it's just like, why
1: just hatred I don't of women. believe
0: it. I know, I know. So on September sixteenth, nineteen eighty six, Vicky answers her front door to what appears to be an AT and T technician. Oh jeez, yeah, another worst oh, nightmare. Because it's like I want I have a light out in my apartment and I need to get it fixed, and I'm like, but what if the guy is coming is a serial killer? Like that's that's my brain now that I listen to true crime. <laughs> so he said there was a problem with the phones, and she let him in. He just walked right in so this was i was back yeah. in the landline days yeah it was back in the landline days so according to his confession he drove his own personal car there and around lunchtime or maybe a little earlier in the morning so once again daytime like not even trying to Wait, hide he... this he drove his own car to her place to murder her and he did it in the middle of the morning and he like parked like on well he his... said he went somewhere and changed his clothes into what he called his quote-unquote hit clothes i know um, and, the, and the things he needed to get rid of later. So he's really meticulous about costume. changing so his, costume his murder outfit. Um, he said he canvassed the house a bit, kind of walking by just to get a better idea. And he could also hear her playing piano while she was in there. So he knew he was, a, she was, she was there. So when Vicky let him in, he said he walked over to the telephone. This is, you know, post arrest. He walked over the telephone to simulate checking it. And he even brought a make believe instrument, like something to pretend like he was doing something to the phone. He really went full out with the uh, disguise. And when she looked away from him, that's when he drew a pistol on her and asked her um, if she could go back to the bedroom with him. He said he was going to have to tie her up, and she was upset. So he said they fought back and forth. I guess she was able to get out of the stocking. Um, And he said he finally got a hand on her, got the stocking, and started strangling her. He thought she was dead, but apparently she wasn't fully dead. So he rearranged her clothes, took some photos, um, and then well, he... Well, she's still alive, and he thought she he was thought dead. He thought she was dead, yeah. <gasps> um, then he said he ran out oh, because... Oh, is that going to ruin the fantasy
1: for him? <laughs>
0: I think it might... I, I think it upsets... I mean, she does sadly eventually die, but, oh, you know, true. she dies from her injuries. But I guess she, when the paramedics got there... like She was still yeah. alive. But so... You know, he rearranged her her clothes, took three photos, and then he said he ran out of there because he had caused a lot of noise and commotion with all. So the windows were open, their dog was barking in the backyard, and I guess uh, she had at one point said her husband her was coming home? out. Yes, in the other room, so he did not harm them. Okay, good. Yeah, but they must have seen him. Or are they... infants, they're babies. Oh. Yeah. Um. So you know, he said he grabbed a few trophies, put them in a, a briefcase, stole her car keys, and used her car as a getaway. So what? Where's his? Didn't he leave his car there though? Yeah, I guess he just he didn't want to take it. Um so He didn't want to be seen. Yeah, in that he was he, he didn't like he, he I it's clear he was not happy with how this went. Um because, you know, she fought him really hard and poor Dennis oh, like had to, to, run, to run, run out. It. He didn't have time it to take it. didn't go how he It wanted. didn't go how he planned. He had planned so meticulously. Um oh. Don't so you just hate it when, like, you plan
1: and plan? Yeah, and it and just then, didn't like, work out. It, it just doesn't go as you thought it would. Yeah, so. so disappointing.
0: He was really I wonder, <laughs> like, the uh, the disappointment he must have felt. Yeah, maybe, like, the, the shame. Show, I, I feel a lot of shame The shame and, like, the, you know, just... The anger at himself, yeah. You know? I I feel shown for it. I think the of inferiority, his, his the yeah. you know, yeah, emasculation. He must have felt exactly. He's he's been out of the game for so long, you know. Maybe he doesn't. Yeah. Need. So um, apparently, her husband Bill Wegerly was on his way home from lunch when he passed Raider driving his wife's car away from their home, but what? he like didn't make the full. So that's how close he was to getting caught. He was actually super close to getting caught. Uh, he discovered her when he got home. Called the paramedics. They tried to save her, but she didn't make it. Um, and her two-year-old son was in the other room. This is so sad. Yeah. So apparently Ritter was really disappointed with this murder because he didn't have enough time to fully enjoy it.
1: Oh, no. You sick
0: piece of shit. Like, you're so gross. I can't with him. He's so gross. Like, of course, he'd be disappointed with that murder. From (laughs) 1986 to 1991, the year I was born, Creepy. Exposing myself. So 1991, Dennis was dormant again. So for five years, he was busy with his job, family, and church community. He thought it was great that he or could... Or he was like so upset by that last... Possible. Like, and he was like, that was too close. I almost got caught. Like, yeah, was, I, sh- I, I can't rush. I need to take my time. He thought it was great that he could pass as a normal person uh, and that he could fool people. It definitely gave him a sense of control. Then he lost his job in 1991. Did he, like, follow the murders in the newspaper or anything? Or oh, I'm like- sure he did, because remember he was communicating in the media? But he was not communicating to the media with these ones. Right. Which is so- why they couldn't find him. I'm sure he was, but it doesn't, you know, specify. Um, but so, you know, he lost his job in 1991, and that, once again, caused him to have low self-esteem. He felt emasculated, and he needed to establish control again. So by murdering women, by murdering because that's women. the only way to do it. That's clearly the only that's way. The to only do way. It. It's his only option. Yeah. So he claimed his tenth and final victim on January nineteenth, nineteen ninety one, killing again an older woman, sixty two year old Dolores oh, Davis.
1: Wow. that's his eldest. Yeah. So
0: Dolores was a mother and grandmother and adored her family. This is mm. so sad. Um. So Dennis was very meticulous about not leaving a trace with this one. He would drive to one location, change his clothes. From what he was originally wearing around people that day, um, went to another place, parked his car, then arranged his book pook, okay. and then walked to Dolores' house. So he was like all sneaky and creepy about it. So mm-hmm. he really I think he really enjoyed that part. I think there was a thrill. He thinks for him. he's like really smart. Though. Yeah, I think he he got a thrill out of all so of his really smart. Yeah. So he <laughs> said he had spent time outside the house and it was very cold at night and he had had reservations about going in. Because he had cased her house but wasn't sure how he was gonna do it um and he decided which was weird because kind of unlike what he did normally to use a concrete block and throw it through a glass window on the oh, patio that's a door. Lot of noise yeah though. and went in the house so she came she clear she heard it she came well, out of the yeah. bedroom wouldn't the neighbors hear that yeah I, I know it's, it's yeah so she came out Don't of the bedroom get it, and he said What's the deal Dennis he said he was on the run so he had this whole weird story he handcuffed her he told her he would like to get some you know Food cart, and he wanted her car. And he said, "quote Rest assured, her, rest assured, her calmed her down a little bit, like like acting like he was it like, cared about her feelings." It was so weird the way he said it. No, it's um, just like fucking paternalized Yeah. Bullshit. Then he then pretended to go check out the car and the house and get some food and pretended like he was going to leave. And then he removed her handcuffs, tied her up, went through her things in her room, taking some items, and strangled her with pantyhose. Wait, 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 I'm sorry so he he wanted to, he, he thro he throws a, con- a concrete thing through the window yes, she comes down yes, he calms her or handcuffs her first both i mean he he handcuffs her telling her that it's um he's just trying to get some stuff from her making it seem like he's not going to physically hurt Okay, So self. kind of like what he did with the, the Oteros, Oteros. Kind of like, like that, yeah. He's like, I'm not going to kill you. I just, like, want... He kind of does that. He, he, he likes to... He kind of acts like he's actually being kind to... Like, with the Oteros, he, It's a way... It's a control. It's a manipulation. He said he, like, yeah. gave Mr. Otero a pillow for his back. Because he had gotten... It's to him. make them... Yeah. Yeah. It's to make them compliant. It's a control thing. I yeah. think it's part of his whole thrill is that he likes to think...
1: He's he, doing this he whole likes, process.
0: He no, he just likes to see the manipulation working and yes. see them calming, knowing that he's gonna kill them. Yes, and then seeing the surprise on their face. Yes, he want he wants that too, and the terror because they he had said he wasn't gonna do that. Exactly. As well. Yeah. As as opposed to like terror the entire time, he doesn't want that. He wants like he wants to decide when to. Have that moment. Mm-hmm. It's it's fully in his control. Yeah, he it's needs to have in every single tiny minuscule aspect of the whole thing. Right, but like also that particular moment, he needs it a certain way. Yes, you know, he yes, very much needs it at a certain way in a certain time. Mm-hmm. That's why he was upset by the last one. Yeah, that it didn't work out for him the way he wanted. Yeah. So he really planned this one, and he even said himself in his confession that like Marine Hedge, he had wrapped her up in a blanket and dumped her under a bridge. So. Oh, so another dumping? Yes. Yeah, so he dumps Dolores under a bridge, which is just horrific. So after dumping her body, Raider returns to, this is so creepy and not what he had done before. He put a mask on her the following day to quote, pretty her up before taking pictures. He says of the mask that quote, that's my mask. I wear that mask too. I pose myself in bondage pictures with this mask. You'll find those in my stash. So he puts a mask on her. So like makeup. No, like a face mask.
1: Like oh. a white
0: face mask. Like a scream mask. A mask. What? Yeah, he puts a mask on her face. Yeah. Um so she was discovered. Is this under the bridge that he Yeah, he with? dumps her. And then gets a mask. And puts, puts it, a, it on her and takes photos of her. Under this bridge. Yeah, with, it, with her bondage. Just, like, is this in broad daylight? Is it night? Like, it, you don't that know. That is not clear when he takes the pictures, but obviously no one saw because they didn't. But, so she was discovered 13 days later on February 1st, 1991, bound and strangled with the mask over her face, which is, what a disturbing, it's, it seems like something that would be in a, a movie and you'd say, like, come on, guys, that's too much.
1: Yeah, and like, it's a little too. It's a little
0: extra. Yeah but apparently it's not because he really did that. People are insane terrifying. and the worst. So the bizarreness really threw off the police um and they did not connect it to the BTK killer because they had not heard from him since 1978 when he took credit for Nancy. Fox. And it's a different it's a different MO yep. too it seems like. At and least. yeah they they really expected him to communicate with them when he was committing crimes like he had in the past and he was not taking yeah. credit for this. The only one that fits is that is um What's her name? The, the 28-year-old? Was it Vicky Weger- Vicky Weggerly yeah, yeah, Vicky. She but fits he- the um, Dennis's, like, stupid name um, M.O., you know? But the two elder women who were dumped don't fit that M.O., so I don't see how they would connect that without him telling. Yeah, and, and he he didn't take credit for Vicky either, which is, they expected him to, because, you know, he was all about, like, well, oh, they, those maybe he was hoping in- Maybe he was hoping, like, they put it together you know he doesn't want to give it all away maybe maybe that's a good point so um you know it was also discovered that he had taken photos posing in lingerie he had stolen from dolores after killing her um and raider also took photos of himself bound to a chair in a blonde wig and the mask that he had put on her he also took so photos did he have multiple masks of these i think he this is before he put this mask on her but he's saying oh, okay. like i use this mask and they found the photos like he took one of himself buried up to his neck Wearing the mask. I'm like, how did you achieve all of this by yourself? You're Like, how wild. do you get out? Exactly. Like, I don't know. How did know. you take the picture back then? Like, they didn't have... You no, know, they had, he had a tripod. He had a self-timer, I think.
1: Self-timer. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, um, so at this point, you know, Maureen, Vicky, and Dolores are three unsolved murders that they're not connecting to BTK. And they stayed that way for a long time. Police believe one of the biggest reasons he was able to get away with this for so long was because his killing spree happened before DNA testing. So they couldn't really identify him, even though he left evidence. Where did he keep these photos when he... We'll we'll get there. We will get there.
1: Okay.
0: Hold tight. I promise. Okay. Um, So the world did not hear from BTK again for another 14 years. 14 years. Throughout the 90s, BTK killer went dormant and the case was fully cold. And he easily could have remained unfound if it weren't for his desperita need for attention. My dude literally caused his own capture and it's amazing. You will see. He's like super thirsty for like... Yeah, he's so thirsty for attention it's pathetic. Um, So so, so during this time Dennis started working for the Wichita uh, suburb of Park City as a compliance supervisor in nineteen. He loves that shit. He loves being in charge. He likes security and he likes... Mm-hmm. It's the authority thing. It's yeah, the he likes that trip. authority. Yeah, so this is he gets this job 4 months after love killing my Dolores. Dozen, though, yeah, it's true. <laughs> huh. So, he 4 months after killing Dolores, he gets this compliance job. Raider was known to be a real asshole and rule stickler. He literally measured the height of people's lawns, chased stray animals. Uh, and according to reports, Raider took pleasure in exerting his limited authority over his neighbors and other members of the community. Yeah, he would like love to be a dictator. Oh, yeah. Then he could murder whoever he wants like However, you yeah, please. But he didn't even need to like, murder them because he was just loved exerting the control he had. Right. No, but as a dictator, you uh, you know, dictators yes, murder people. Yes. Okay. But so one of his employees, Mary Caps, had apparently filed numerous complaints against Raider for his mean, controlling, micromanaging, and aggressive behavior. She said that she knew uh, she never knew when he was going to snap, Like she was afraid of him. Yeah. And they never did anything. Of about course, her. of course, it was a woman complaining. Yeah. Stopping hysterical, Mary. Or just being so dramatic about it. Stopping so emotional. And so yeah. on January 17th, 2004, a former reporter for the Wichita Eagles, we're now in the 2000s, a former reporter for the Wichita Eagle wrote an article um, to honor the kind of 30th anniversary of the Otero murders, as well as the other unsolved BTK killings, mm-hmm. honoring their memory, etc. Oh, Dennis doesn't like that. Well, this, he sees all the hype coming back again. Um, about him, and he this just really refuels his ego, and he also was like really wanting the attention again. This right, exactly reignites everything for him. So, according to Snapped, two major things happen in his life at this time: his son left for the Navy, and his daughter got married. His kids weren't home; there was mm, no empty distraction, nest. and this is when he reestablishes communication. So it's kind of this kismet of events happening: like his his kids leave, so he's empty nesting, and this anniversary article comes out. So this kind of reignites his whole obsession with communicating with the media and getting attention for being the BTK I can't wait can to hear what
1: his kids think.
0: It's, it's really sad. I mean, um, how was he as a father? A great dad, apparently. So we'll get into that. We talk, we'll talk. we talk about what Perry has to say. Okay. So a few months after the 30th anniversary article ran, the Wichita Eagle received a letter from, from BTK. I'm going to have to say BTK because for them it is. So he claimed he killed Vicky on September 16th, 1986. And in addition, he also had photographs of her uh, body in various positions that looked like the crime scene photos. Mm-hmm. It was clear to the police that these were photos from the killer. He also included a photocopy of Vicky's driver's license, which was missing from the crime scene. So mm, it was obviously his, In his tidy holes. Yeah. <laughs> it was in one of his tidy holes, yes. Oh, really? So everyone in Wichita was terrified at his reemergence. Um, And his self-coined moniker became more infamous than ever. Mm -hmm. Women were especially fearful of being alone at night, and everyone was fearful he would kill again, because it was just unbelievable that after all this time, he, he came back and basically was writing the media again. So he began sending the media clues about his murders. So he didn't commit new ones. He's just, he's like... He's just taunting them about... Like, just throwing breadcrumbs at yeah. them. Like, look at... Wait, remember me? Yes, Talk he's... about me again. Be afraid of me again. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's his age. I don't know. But so he's really just focusing on what he's already He just already wants done. to be in the in crowd again. He wants to be popular. Yeah. So on December 13th, 2004... Pick TV got a call from a viewer who said they had found something in a park and they think it's related to the BTK case. They sent a reporter out there under a stop sign with a box was a Barbie doll with a noose around its neck. The doll was attached to a pipe like Josephine Otero, which is so disturbing and messed up. And the doll was even made to look like her. There was also an ID card of Nancy Fox and he wanted to make sure they knew for certain it was truly the BTK killer. And he loved it. Taunting Wait, just under a random stop sign? Yeah, he just wanted to taunt them. He wanted them to find it. He was doing it on purpose. Meanwhile, Dennis, at this time, is also asking his employees at the compliance office if their daughters were afraid of BTK. So he's relishing this. Yeah, he's loving it. And he, apparently he laughed when they said how terrified they were. Which is He loves it. That's beyond what he creepy. Wants. Yeah, he wants it. He's getting off on that. Yes. So what's he doesn't even need to kill anyone as long as everyone's terrified. Everyone's he's getting terrified. Like, yes, he's getting, he's the getting the thrill getting from needs. it. Yep. So while he was doing all of this, technology finally caught up with the DNA evidence Ugh. that the police had collected. Yeah, back, if it's the 2000s, why not? And they were able to test it. So in 2004, the police collected DNA samples from hundreds of men in the Wichita area trying to identify BTK. They swabbed everyone possible. Over 1,300 samples, and they still didn't get a match. So somehow he's still evading them. A few weeks later, BTK reaches out to the media again. He mentioned how he was sorry a news anchor had a cold, which they had referenced on air a few nights before. And Uh this made the police concerned that BTK may be targeting someone in the media because he's clearly obsessively watching. And so the reporters are starting to get scared. So get this. This is crazy. A female anchor um, he sent that message to, who was terrified she might be the next victim, unknowingly met him a week later when the Christ Lutheran Church president and some others wanted a tour. She remembers meeting Dennis. Whoa. Balding mustache jeans, taking all the (laughs) pictures. He must have loved the thrill of this, she says. This was his, like, scoping. Like, his doing his peeping. Ray. yeah, she said never in a million years would she have guessed it was him. He blended in perfectly. Yeah. she would have never guessed. And he continued to send numerous mes- messages to the media, even thanking them for getting the news out. His ego knew no bounds. He thought he could manipulate the police, public, and the media because he's, he's probably he's unassuming looking. He's yeah, like a, completely unassuming. He's like an almost invisible, you exactly. know, average white man blending right on in. They thought that if they could keep him talking, maybe he would. Uh, It would keep him from killing? Or he would slip up, it would keep him from killing and he would slip up. So they even appealed to him directly on air. Like news anchors were appealing appealing directly on air. Why didn't they test DNA from like more of the recent ones that he admitted to? I think they were testing DNA for everything, but. Oh, but if they didn't have his. Yeah, then it doesn't matter. matter. So finally, he makes his fatal error trusting the police and you'll
1: see what i mean here it's really funny
0: so january 25th 2005 this K-
1: is the uplifting moment this everyone. is the
0: uplifting moment okay. no murders aren't uplifting yeah. but him getting caught is very uplifting so
1: and if, and particularly in the way it happens yes hopefully it's I'll see it's by so injury. stupid yeah it's okay. so
0: stupid so january 25th 2005 kake tv got another message this time <laughs> about a cereal box he left in the back of a truck in a parking lot, lot as a joke about serial killers. Like he's that weird, so he like thinks he's being really funny.
1: Oh my god, did you leave, like fingerprints? No, 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 well? no. It's
0: way better. Sarah, just go with it. Fingerprints is that's yeah. This it's is stupid. it's is, he literally caused his own capture. So they called the police and investigators go to the scene. In the box, there was a there was jewelry from a burglary burglary oh, victim so in like the seventies, as well as a note. He said, "Quote." Can I communicate with floppy and not be traced to a, to a computer? Be honest. <laughs> the way he wanted them to tell him if it was okay to communicate by floppy disk without being traced was to post, quote, Rex, it will be okay. And the classifieds of a newspaper. So, um, shockingly, the police were like, yeah, of course you can't be traced. Of course not. You can't be traced by that. That's fine. Why? Why would they by lie? a floppy disk? Why would they tell him the truth? Why would they tell him? Like he literally thought they had some sort of rapport, and like they wouldn't lie to him about that. It's like, like, like since we're such good friends, yeah. and you're, because you're so obsessed with me, you know, and like you, you talk about me all the time. Yeah. So like, Did, I feel like, like I can trust you because it seems like you're really into like, me. You think that technology doesn't leave a digital trace, my dude? Like, I mean, well, he's he's a boomer. Yeah. So, 3 days later, he sees the police reply and believes he's he's good to go with that floppy disk, <laughs> right? They receive <laughs> they receive a floppy. There's only one file on the file it says, quote, this is a test. So, basically, he was just testing out to see if this would work as a line of communication between them. He wanted to be able to send them more information. Um, and of course, because he's old and also a dumb narcissist, he didn't think that you could, I don't know, maybe retrieve like previously deleted files. Uh, you could see, you could trace who Can was he using didn't even use a new oh, floppy disk. Nope. Nope. He literally, they were, <laughs> he printed something and floppy, floppies apparently track who the program is registered to. And it showed somebody named Dennis and that the disk had been registered to a Christ Lutheran church. That dude did not even use a fucking new one. He used one he was using for like his church with his name on it. Oh my god! And he sent it to them. Like he sent them. Take one from the library. Yeah, anything and do anything else. Do anything other than that. Yeah. Literally anything other than then handing what you them. Did. It's, it's like in its modern day times, you'd be like, "Here's my cell phone <laughs> that is unlocked. You may here's my unlocked cell phone. You may look at it. Yeah, like, look at it, but don't, but don't, but don't see who it's registered to. Yeah, but don't like. <laughs> so they realized that a Dennis Rader was the president of the Christ Lutheran Church. They had him. They were shocked um that he was a family man. And they knew they needed DNA before making an arrest because this was so like, insane. Yeah. Right? Um, they thought, uh, asking him directly would be way too risky. They should take it from his kids. So, smart. So they were able to subpoena the records of Carrie, the daughter,
1: yeah.
0: um, Raider's daughter, and compare to routine paps smear yeah. she had recently gone. Yes. Familial match. Exactly. It was a familial match. Wow. Carrie, Wait, they can just get, they can just take our paps? No, it's a subpoena. They can okay. just take it. They had, they had probable cause. Yeah. Is there, so there's DNA in, how long is mean, the yes, DNA left of a path. Like how long is that It last? must have been recent. I don't know. I didn't look into that. <laughs> it's a little bit of a tangent. Um, Sorry. Yeah. I'm just concerned. I know. So once they had the DNA, they knew they could get him. And Dennis was arrested on February 25th, 2005 while driving near his home. Lead investigator Ken Lanwer says Raider was shocked the police lied to him about the floppy disk. Oh my god, wait, did they just like pull him over? Yeah. And so he thought he was being pulled over for like. Yeah, I don't think he didn't, th- he didn't know at first and then once he knew, he knew. So he was especially mad at Ken, who he called by his, the policeman. So Dennis is mad at Ken. So he knew who he was when he pulled him over? You'll see. So let me. Okay. Yeah. So he said he was especially mad at Ken who he called by his first name and thought they had a relationship. So Ken. So once they pulled over and Dennis saw Ken was there, who was the head of homicide, he knew what it was about. Oh, uh, okay. Yes. So from Snap, they say, Rader was arrested while driving near his home in Park City shortly after noon on February 25th, 2005. An officer asked, Mr. Rader, do you know why you're... Going downtown, Raider replied, Oh, I have suspicions. Why? Yep. They brought him to a task force office and interviewed him. He never denied what he did. He said, Oh, he never denied? Yeah. No, he was beyond caught and he knew it. He said, I was not planning on being caught. I just played cat and mouse too long with the police and they finally figured it out. After three hours, he admitted to killing Maureen and Dolores and he wanted credit for what he had done. The police now realize um, he's responsible for 10 murders from 1974 to 1991 so they did not know about the last few the last three uh-huh. until after his arrest because he had not previously claimed right. credit for that um his neighbors and fellow church members were stunned by the news unable to believe that the man they knew was the serial killer that had haunted the area for so long yeah especially the ones like right on their block too oh could you imagine your like average white male neighbor just turning out to be a prolific yes. serial killer yes, yes, yes. I could. yes now i can but i no ago, especially I don't so. yes yes, yes. Always. Yeah. So growing right. up I was convinced Yeah, you you were scared that burglars were gonna come in your room all the time. You were paranoid. Anyway <laughs> so, Not burglars, murderers specifically specifically. Murderers through your window. And or kidnappers. Yeah. And or murderous kidnappers. kidnappers yes. <laughs> so Wichita Police, the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, the F- FBI, the ATF agents, they search Raiders' home and vehicles, seizing evidence including computer equipment, a pair of black pantyhose retrieved from a shed, and a cylindrical container. The church he attended, his office at City Hall, and the main branch of the park library were also searched. At his office, they found evidence in the bottom of a file cabinet. It had newspaper articles about his murders. The oh, original so did mm-hmm. follow. Yep, the original letters sent to the media, thousands of photos of himself dressed as a woman, bound and gagged in bondage. Wait,
1: what year was this again?
0: 2005. Wow. Right? He, his first murder was in 1974. Wow. Yeah. And so he literally, he literally easily could have just gone through his life for the rest of time if he hadn't sent him a fucking floppy disk with his information on it. Saying this is a test. Like, he literally, like, for no reason. Testing, like, testing. Testing. <laughs> just want to make sure I get cut. Yeah, so. Are you still paying attention? Are you still looking at me? It's insane that he did that. So the police didn't think the wife and family knew anything, uh, especially considering he kept most of his trophies at his office. You know how you'd ask yeah, him yeah, where yeah. he kept it? That's why I was like, shut up. I'm going to get there. So he kept it so, at his office. Okay. And so. He,
1: like, all the photos. All the creepy of
0: trophies. The, he had it in, like, a sit- What about the drawer. photos he took of himself? Yeah. yeah all those. of that was hidden at okay. his office. So. You know, the police really considered them additional victims in the situation, the family. Yeah, Uh, yeah, totally. Because, you know, sometimes they don't know if they're involved or not. And in this case, they were like, they are not involved. So two months after confessing, he has his arraignment and Rader pled guilty to all of the charges on June 27th, 2005. As part of his plea, he gave a horrifying, you know, 40 minute detail of his crimes in court. And he was super fucking creepy i watched the whole thing and it was very upsetting he literally has no emotions no remorse he's completely like matter of fact like i said earlier like reading off a grocery list like or like looking at a recipe just reading it off like like are his eyes like all black yeah yeah he's just like completely emotionless and if anything he kind of seemed proud of what he did um yeah he's like bragging about it yeah he's like stating it almost in like a scientific manner yeah, like, it's, like in I a dry a this and this. like Oh, this is no. This is objective. Yeah, like it's not. It's not a subjective view. It's an objective view. You know, because like, because I'm like a white man, and I I can do that. Yeah, this is like an anthropol like anthropological like overview of what he was doing. It's so creepy. So. On August 18th, 2005, Dennis Rader gets his sentencing. Because he committed his crimes before the state's 1994 reinstatement of the death penalty, Rader was sent to El Dorado Correctional Facility to serve 10 life sentences. So he got 170 plus years. Nice. Yeah, so fuck you, Dennis. You're going to rot in prison forever.
1: Yeah, but he's probably still getting
0: attention. He's not. He's in solitary. Today. No, but I mean, like letters, fan letters. Oh, and um, well, he's not allowed to do certain things. We'll we'll talk about it. So <laughs> he later said in an interview, "The quote, the floppy did me in," <laughs> which You're, is just like your floppy dick. Yeah, your floppy little dick. So <laughs> the, the major, the major Schadenfreude I got from hearing that he's like the floppy did me in, like he's so bitter about it. Um And so after he got over the the betrayal, he literally felt betrayed by the police. I'm like, honey, they don't owe you anything. Like, I thought we were friends. Why do you think that they would? What? Like in white universe, white men entitlement <laughs> is what that was. I mm-hmm. think. Uh <laughs> Yeah. So after he got over the betrayal, the trial went smoothly. He confessed to all ten murders and received those life sentences. So he was, you know, more than open about it and kind of wanted to talk to people about what he'd done. He knew he didn't stand a chance of getting yeah. out in 2016. That's when Katherine Ramblin published her Confessions of a Serial Killer, The Untold Story of Dennis Rader, um, which revealed that-
1: what- sorry, what year?
0: 2016. Oh. Yes. So he had an 11th victim ready before he was arrested. He was going to kill another person.
1: Wow. Who was it? Do they know?
0: So they have an idea and they think- let me get- sorry, you're jumping ahead of me, so- oh, Okay. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. So- you know, Raider, there were certain things. Well, when Dennis sent his message in 2004, he followed up with planting bizarre symbolic objects and cryptic messages all around Wichita. So he uh, probably just put messages where his stupid little hidey holes were in yeah. well, the and then was like, go no, look at this in yeah. this place. So, and you'll find blah, blah, blah. They were trying many tactics to try and identify him from this. Um, they even had DNA from the crime scenes, and they matched it to different suspects. They discovered that one of the messages BTK sent was photocopied in the Wichita State University library, which he attended in 1979. Right, but there's right? also like how many people done yeah. that. But Rader had sent a poem that was modeled off a poem from a Wichita State University textbook, so they believed that the killer had attended that university. That was a theory. Yeah, but still, even so, yeah. Another theory was that he was a police officer because sometimes he used police lingo in his messages and he was a compliance officer. So it's interesting. They were like kind of on the right track. They just weren't getting there. Well, like he gave them clues. Yeah. <laughs> but <coughs> if I they don't... weren't like big enough clues to actually leave yeah. something, which he probably knew. Yeah, well, so he, you So know, it's like a little. Yeah, so there was alignment with these theories. You know, he studied criminal justice. He was a compliance officer. He went to Wichita State. Um, and with the theories, you know, they had worked really hard to try to find him. And even one of the victims was down the street. Like, right. There were actually connections to him. Um One of the puzzles he sent to the police contained a message that they, that they really should have investigated. The letter said D-R-A-D-E-R. So "D Raider," Right. And the number 6220, the number of his house. Yeah, so he's giving them clues and he's yeah, getting off he's on the fact that they him. can't find him. Mm-hmm. And they're still like... He's like, oh, I'll well, give them like another piece of the puzzle. Yeah, so but, like, he was a, loving it. But and so, like you said, he was playing this cat. They're all and, like the weird white pieces that you don't know where they go. And they all look the same well, in, a, in a puzzle. Yeah, like not <laughs> the edges. They don't help you with anything. Yeah. Raider is currently in solitary confinement at El Dorado Correctional Facility in Butler County, Kansas. Lols, he's all by himself. He can't get any attention. So Raider's only allowed to leave his cell for one hour. Per day, five days a week, for exercise and showers, uh, and he's not going anywhere. He's not allowed to speak to reporters or appear on TV, but he is able. Ooh, to- I love that. Yes, but he is able to send and receive letters. Um, but to he, reporters too. No, not? but he's not allowed to communicate with the media. Okay, is I, love hilarious. I love that. I yeah. love Yeah, Is that part of his sentence? I'm not entirely sure, but I'm, I'm living for it. Either, yeah, right? I love it. Yeah. Whoever did that,
1: thank you. Yeah, you. So.
0: Thanks
1: so uh, much, love it. Yeah, so
0: that is Dennis Rader, and I do want to talk about his daughter Carrie finding out because they. Yeah, do I want to hear what his. She. Said. I feel so bad for her. She is so so strong. She writes a book. She's like really overcome, and I'm really mm-hmm. impressed with how she's handled her trauma. Um, I don't know much about the brother. I think he's more private, but I think they're all they're I mean, dealing people well. deal with it yeah. in different ways. So in 2019, Carrie wrote a book about being Raider's daughter called A Serial Killer's Daughter, My Story of Faith, Love, and Overcoming. Great title. Yeah, she's amazing. She says she wrote the book as a kind of catharsis and way to release the anger she felt inside. It's very lemonade of her. <laughs> So Raider apparently has not read the book because he's not allowed access to true crime yes. which makes sense. Oh my god, I love that yeah. so much. It's he can't even say what- Oh my god, that's got to kill him. Yeah. He can't even because she probably doesn't talk to him anymore. No. Well, he's written her, but she doesn't. Yet. Right. So he doesn't know what no. she thinks. He, but so. And he'll never fucking know. But so, so he says, but, but he did write four page letter to KCTV 5. So he's still trying. Like he wrote a letter to the media, but they like don't, you know. So he says, I'm not sure how the book is written or, or how far she throws me under the bus. How far she throws me under the bus. I broke her heart and the other family members, coworkers, friends, relatives, and others. She certainly has that right which is just, it's so weird it's like throw you under the bus you murdered people <laughs> right? but then also he's like but she has that right like what the fuck so apparently there was like ha- well because he's like she should just love me because i'm her dad yeah and like it shouldn't matter what i did apparently there was a hand-drawn crest with the letters cl on the letter <laughs> it stands for just it stands for quote cave which is how he describes his living situation in solitary. LOL. I literally screamed when I read that. (laughs) Um, He clearly misses the attention. I'm sorry. That's not... Caitlin. (laughs) He's not very creative. No, he, I feel like he, like finds, he thinks, he thinks he he's, he's a is? genius. Like, he thinks he's so... Like it's like, honey, like, hidey holes. Just you wait. We're going to go <laughs> into the psychology of some of the things he says. Uh, there's more of his own oh lexicon. Like, he has his own lingo. It's, and I normally, mean, I'm all, normally I'm all about... I'm all about only, it. I'm all about, like, our own language. But yeah. um, not when it's Dennis Rader. Because he's, he's... Not sucks. when it's for murderers. Because murderers shouldn't have nice... I'm not allowed to have fun. That's not allowed. You can't have nice fun thing. Like, he sucks way too much and he's a piece of shit. Like, he's not allowed to have his own little... Not allowed. No. Not allowed. So, it. this is really sad. The way Carrie found out about her dad, for her, it was a normal day. She had slept in. She was a substitute teacher and had the day off. Oh, she's a teacher? Yeah. She's a really nice. I t- love that. She's an amazing person. So, there's a knock on her door. She's confused. Uh, then he says As he's... you would be. Yeah. How old is she at this point? She's in her early 20s. Oh, my God. Yeah, can you like, imagine? Like, can you imagine? No, it's horrific. She's confused. They say it's the FBI, and she has no idea why he's there. And he asked, do you know who BTK is? And she says, you mean the person who is wanted for murders back in Kansas? I think she's moved. She's, like, not living in Kansas right now. I can't remember where she is. but. Yeah. And he says, quote, your dad has been arrested as BTK. <gasps> and she thought she was going to pass out. Yeah, like, Luke, I am your yeah. father. At first, she tried to literally... At first she tried to alibi him, talking about how, what a great man he was, that she was in denial for a second. Yeah, of course. Like, As one would be. Yeah, her brother too. Because they mu- they're they like, no, you must have gotten it wrong. Yeah, like, but you- that's the... That's how fucking good he was at the facade. That's how yeah. well... He hit it. his dark his, side. That's how great his mask was. Yeah. So it's how it, horrific. Yeah. Horrifying. It really shows you that anyone could be a psychopath, killer if they know how to blend in well enough. Yeah. It's really scary. So, you know, her and her brother were completely shocked. Um, he was really, you know, truly able to live this double life. So her brother was stationed in Connecticut with the Navy when he found out, um, and she knew there was no way her mother was involved, but she was worried about her. So yeah, she wasn't, cause... yeah, very worried about her. So she wasn't able to talk to her mom or brother until about six or seven hours after the arrest. So imagine that agony. I'm Why not, not? I'm not entirely so sure. They, maybe they took her like, phone yeah, and... maybe they like separated them for like questioning and shit. I'm not, yeah, so they sure. went like. "Quote unquote," get their stories straight, you know. So they wanted it's like to make they sure. wanted to make yeah. sure they it always, always, yeah, kosher. So yeah. when she first, kosher. yeah, when she first heard her mom's voice on the phone, she heard her grief and loss. When the mom found out she was in, you know, complete despair, like absolute despair, as one would be. Yeah. Yeah. And while the family was initially in disbelief, um, you know, Dennis is literally confessing his crimes. Like they can't believe it's happening, and he's having the best time, like just talking about everything he's done. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. loving it. So. Carrie sadly made the mistake of Googling BTK and truly discovering what he'd done, and she said it was just absolutely traumatizing,
1: absolutely traumatizing. And she knows, like, as she was being mm -hmm, like raised, like, right? Wasn't she a year
0: after she was born? Though it was six months after, six months after his—I can't remember who he killed, but he had it her, yeah, um, or his wife had. So his wife was pregnant when. someone right with her with her yeah so i just can't imagine Mm, the mm. pain that she's like finding out that like our dad i can't i can't deal with it can't won't won't entertain it and we're done okay yeah so it's just she's really overcome though she's made the most of her life and you know is doing as well as one can considering i'm really impressed with with her resilience there so she had any like no. If like, she had any psychological mm, issues, like not in- that I've read. No, I didn't read anything. Um I mean, R- Raider did write to his daughter in two thousand five, right when he was arrested, to Carrie, saying he's so sorry things got away from him, like a cat and mouse caught up with him. He said, "You will always be my baby girl. I raised mm-hmm. right, proud, independent. Hopefully, someday your heart will mend and you can forgive me. Life before was before the arrest was a good time, and the dark side took me away." It's like, you know, remember how we blame the devil and shit? Like, yeah, which we're going to talk about a little more. It wasn't Um, me. So when asked how she could correspond with BTK, she says like, so I guess she did kind of write a few letters, but like it's not really talking to him. She she does say, you know, I'm talking to my father, the man I live with and love for 26 years. She loves the man she knew, but not BDK. Right. She says criminologists will say her dad is a psychopath, incapable of feeling, but she doesn't know it. Like she doesn't know a psychopath. That was not the man uh, she knew and loved. So she has a tendency to try to compartmentalize and disassociate. Um, You know, there was this person she loved and adored who could be gruff sometimes. and, And, you know, she said even a few times abusive, but then on the other side, um, you know, there's this insane, torturous, violent, horrific man. She says, and she doesn't know that man. So if she is going to get cut up in every day and live her life, she has to like separate them. Otherwise, she can't. No, she has to. Yeah. Also, just for her own survival. Yeah, sake. she has to separate them because in order not to go insane. Yeah. And also, literally... and also not to like blame herself. Exactly. Like she because she didn't. There's no way she could have known. Mm-hmm. Um and well, it doesn't sound like he was great father he was sometimes i think he was abusive. just i think he was just kind of old school like authoritarian style dad it didn't seem like it was serious like they clearly really loved him and were shocked to hear like that he verbal was abuse yeah i didn't it didn't sound like sh- like she loved him like they loved him they were right. like a, ha- a quote-unquote happy family and you know? he made them believe that he loved them yeah completely she like could not fathom it it's it's just so sad so talking about his psychology. So, one thing that I've kind of noticed, uh, is that he acts almost like he thinks he's being kind of kind and thoughtful towards his victims. So, we kind of talked about this a little earlier, but for example, with the Oteros, he said that he gave Mr. Otero a pillow to make him more comfortable because he had recently been in a car accident and then proceeds to murder him. Right. Like, how does that, how do you reconcile that? No, I think he's just showing the depth that, like, of his sadism. Yes, and also uh, the like, the length to which he he knew about these people, like the 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 quote yeah. tr- unquote trolling, right, stalking involved. Like he knew those little minute details that it's really creepy, and like they might come across as thoughtful, but. In the moment, but like, it just at, shows how sick In hindsight, yeah. it, it, to me, it's terrifying because it's like, um, how do you know that I was in a car accident? Like, random person who just broke into my right, house. Right. What? Right. So, like, but, what else do you know about me? What the fuck? Yeah. Well, so another example is with Shirley Vian When he forces himself in the house with the gun, he told her, quote, I had problems with sexual fantasies. And that after they put the kids in the bathroom and he tied the door, he proceeded to tie her up. She got, she got sick threw up I got her a glass of water comforted her a little bit then I went ahead and tied her up and then put a bag over her head and strangled her. Well yeah cuz you don't want to kill someone sick that like kind of takes the fun out of it, right? But the fact that he was like like he needs I got he needs her a to glass to be of water conscious so that he can see the terror. If he's not going to get the terror if they're already feeling pain from something else that he's not in charge of God forbid, you know, he's yeah. not in charge of that pain and they're feeling that pain. Like, ugh. Yeah. Like, get over it. Drink your water. Like, do you feel better? But, but, like, do you need more water? Like, should I, like, do you need a pillow? Like, what else can I do? To, like, yeah, he wants you, them to feel comfortable so that he yeah, can go ahead you murder good. them. Oh, do you feel a little bit better? Yeah, yeah, you have some color in your face. Now I can murder you. Now yeah. I, I can murder you. Yeah, <laughs> so in 2005, in a post-arrest interview, Dennis is asked if he has any feelings at all for his victims. And no. Dennis says, he says, Yes, I do. I mean, I have a lot of feelings for them. I guess it's more of an achievement for an object in a hunt, or Ew. sort of more of a high, I guess. Ew. Yeah. Another thing in his confession I found very weird is when he was talking about his trolling to the judge, the judge asked him what he means by it. He says, stalking, and the judge says, so you are not working in any form or fashion. And Raider seems to get frustrated and says, well, if you've read much about serial killers, they go through what they call the different phases – that's one of the phases they go through as, uh, as, a, as a trolling stage. Basically, you're uh, looking for a victim at that time. You could be trolling for months or years. But once you lock in on that person, that becomes <laughs> that becomes talking and that might be several, but you really only hone in on that person. They basically become, that's the victim. Yeah. So he's like talking about how serial killers operate. I mean, he's fumbling around a lot. It's hard yeah, to quote Yeah, I wonder more. what he's referencing, like what... Text he's referencing, or like what psychological well, thing he's referencing when he's like, they go through these stages. Yeah, well, he studied criminal justice, right? right? But it's so weird how he's like, he, it's so weird in the confession when he's talking to the judge, you can hear he's just like, well, like, if you've read about serial killers, he's like frustrated that he has to like explain himself. And it seems like he kind of likes that he's like, the authority, a serial, no, yeah. but a serial killer, and like he fits this category. Yeah, he's like, he whoa, checks those whoa, boxes, yeah. he is the authority on this matter. Um, if you knew anything. Yeah, so... He would have (laughs) known. Apparently, Dennis later told the FBI that his next target lived in a duplex off-Broadway, and her name was Mary. And Mary was that employee at the compliance office that had complained about him. Of course. So he was literally going to murder her, which is insane. Wow. Wow, wow. So some of the other weird lingo he used... How did he know she complained about him? Because, I mean... I oh, Maybe he doesn't like her. Oh, the, apparently there was a weird interaction they had where he, she said she like saw this craziness in his eyes, mm-hmm. but then like he stopped, he dropped the mask, yeah, for a, a minute. second, and she was like, "I'm absolutely terrified of this person," and he knew that she saw that drop for a second, so yeah, it was really, she saw the dark yeah. So I can't imagine seeing that and like being alive to tell the tale. Wow. So. And how does she move on with her life? I would be so terrified. She said if she's, ever she's permanently like yeah, has like certain paranoia about like you know stuff like private like being safe and and stuff like that. So I don't blame her. Um, so some of the, his weird lingo, I wanted to add. <laughs> Whenever he was aroused, he called it "quote Sparky Big Time." What? Yeah. yeah, he literally called it Sparky Big Time. When he climaxed... That sounds like baby work. That sounds like a baby babble. Like, baby... Like, sparky, big, <laughs> tiny, yay! When he climaxed, he called it, quote, the big G. Like, what? He has a whole no, fucking no, he codex. Calls, he's, he needs to sound sexy, right? Didn't he want to sound, sound sexy? Sexy? Yeah. sexy and... and um, Yeah. And what was the other part of it? Mysterious, I think. Yeah. He also... And... <laughs> and inspires terror and that inspires terror so you know he also called the dark murder sexual sadist persona inside of him quote the minotaur the minotaur (laughs) the minotaur and when it was time to switch from regular family man to quote minotaur he called it quote going dark and he described going both ways is going dark i I think like either way just changing is going dark no when he's going from family man to, Mino- to Minotaur. What about going Minotaur to family? That I'm not sure. I don't have that written down. Going light? <laughs> Maybe. And he described the force that drove him to kill as some kind of mysterious element, factor X, what we talked about in at part one. And well, back, Minotaur, it was like isn't
1: that Ovid? Or no. I don't remember which Greek story it is.
0: So the ecologists have come up with two main likely reasons for why he has this codex. <laughs> the first was that it would help him distance himself from the reality of what he was doing. So in his mind, he wasn't murdering. He was, quote, going dark to, quote, work on a project. And he was driven to do it by, quote, factor X. It wasn't his fault. Like, come on, guys. He's it's not the white man's fault ever. Right. For anything. I think he's just trying. It's another manipulation tactic using language to make it seem like he's not responsible for his actions. So he's manipulating the language, creating, like, these alternate words and phrases to make it sound he thinks it will make it sound like this is a viable alternative yeah you know and and the second main reason was that it made him feel special <laughs> you know dennis is a she narcissist made and, him feel very special and he yeah. created a persona for himself you know giving his own serial killer name taunting the police with letters you know this is part of being an egomaniacal psychopath like he liked having his own little thing Mm-hmm. So after his arrest, Raider revealed that he believed... And more attention. Yeah. Attention, attention, attention. So Raider revealed to the police, like we said in episode one, that he thought he was being possessed by a demon um, <laughs> when he was young and that the demon drove him to fulfill When he was disease. young? Yeah. So Sarah's phone's ringing. Sorry, okay, sorry. Idiot. Who doesn't have their phone on vibrate? If it edits out, it'll be funny because I'll be saying that out of nowhere. Um, hopefully this sounds better than the first episode. No guarantees. Please don't hate us. So... <laughs> So after his arrest, Raider revealed that he believed he was possessed by the demon and that the demon drove him to demon. fulfill fantasies. Um but everyone was like he was pretty normal as a kid, like he was a little weird but nothing that would Like suggest what that. age
1: did the demon come into him? He doesn't say uh, an age. Range. No,
0: he just said Raider became obsessed with fantasies of sadistic sex. Um he kept items from his murder scenes and would recreate all of those acts. Rader even claimed he should get credit for doing this because it sated him and satisfied him between the killings, so he could prolong the time between, ha- like, between his murders because he had these trophies. Mm -hmm. yeah what a narcissist like well you should thank me for that i'm so generous to you yeah he's such a good member of society natalie yeah he's a good contributing member so an interview conducted by a harvard trained forensic psychologist named robert mendoza he was for the defense team so we don't know a hundred percent if this is accurate but i think it probably is he was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder narcissistic personality (laughs) disorder and obsessive compulsive personality yes i was he as someone Mm -hmm. formerly with and still, but not as mm-hmm. crippling OCD. Yeah. Uh, definitely the control and, like, the order and the specific and the changing and everything had to be just so. And he ex- was so yeah. disappointed when it didn't go his way. Yeah, when it, that, like, <laughs> killing where it wasn't exactly how he wanted and how he was yeah. really upset with that. I was like, that is so obsessive compulsive. Like, it has to be exactly how you wanted it yeah. planned out. Or else nothing yeah. is, or else it's, like, What's the? Why did I even do that? What's the point? Yeah. It's all ruined. Like you didn't get the satisfaction you wanted out of it. Nothing was good. I, I forgot to mention this in the first episode of Another Story from when he was young. I did oh. additional research and I found this. So in November 1959, when Dennis was 14, he was in a car with a girl. And on the radio, they heard about a crime in Holcomb, Texas. A family of four is murdered and tied with ropes first. Oh. Dennis, in the car with the girl he had a crush on, Heard this on the radio and immediately wanted to kill the girl he was with. At 14? mm mm-hmm. Wow. So that's how early of an age is connecting sex with violence. Wow. He's a sadist. And nothing top, like, happened like, in his... Nothing, nothing happened... Nothing that he's willing to admit to. In his youth with his mother. Does no. he nothing. have siblings? After. He's the oldest of four sons.
1: Okay, so no women. No women. I wonder what their experiences were.
0: I mean, everyone's saying, like, it, n- he... He was a generally normal kid. I mean, besides like kind of being creepy. Ew, yeah, gross! Not a fan. Not a fan. He got caught <laughs> because of a floppy disk. Um, I love, a, I love that because he's a boomer, yeah. and he was like, "Can you trace this back to me? I don't know how technology works." Yeah, but to be fair, I also don't know how technology works. I mean, if so. you were an adult back when floppy disks were. A thing you would. I mean, known. I would have known it's not a really it's, it's good probably idea. Not the best it's idea. like probably not a good idea. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to steal someone else's sloppy yeah. For someone who really covered their tracks, right? It just doesn't follow. I guess he just got sloppy in his old age. Sloppy loser. Sloppy. Hey, Dennis, you're a sloppy <laughs> loser. I don't know if anyone's ever told you this, but I know you think you're really in control and like yeah. really strong and sexy and mysterious, but you're actually a really well. Sad, he's never going to hear this. Sad loser. Sad. Sad, sad loser. But he's never going to hear this. because no, he, he can't listen in two <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, well, we hope you hated us a little less this episode. Or P- more. Or more. I mean, you know, potentially. I don't care either way, really, honestly. We're still going to keep doing it. I'm enjoying it. myself. Yeah, we're so. having fun with it. Um <laughs> So even if you hate us, we're going to still make this podcast. So. Yeah, so uh we'll have another episode soon. Thanks. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>